Here we go. <laughs> We're on week four of our, of our worship series called Encountering God. Um, I'm very excited about the next couple of weeks. Um, I was, I was meeting, I've been meeting with Teelan and we've been talking a little bit and I was telling him on Thursday, I said, um, this is kind of one of the, like the, the hardest, um, sections is what we're going through. We're, we're going through basically, um, second Corinthians 318 is kind of our, 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 our theme verse for all of this. It's up there on the screen. Uh, and this is kind of like the next couple of weeks are going to be one of the, the, the harder ones to communicate. And so, um, I've been working really hard to try to make this, uh, makes sense to, to you. It, it makes sense to me. Um, but, but you're the ones that are, you know, I have the notes, you know, so that makes it a little bit more important to make sure that I communicate well to you guys. But, uh, it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks and, and I'm looking forward to, 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 to finishing this series up with you and, and, and excited about what God is doing. But, uh, again, what we, we use our text is second Corinthians three eighteen. Uh, it's, but we, uh, we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. I believe this is a great verse that we're using to really help us understand worship, to understand how God's pattern of worship works. This is not a, a follow the steps one through 10. And if you do it just like this, uh, everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to work out just great. God doesn't usually work that way, but it is a guide. It is, it is something that kind of helps us as we look into these things. And so this week, we're actually going to be talking about this. We're going to talk about worship is beholding God. Worship is beholding God. And this is the section of our scripture. This is beholding as in a mirror. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, you're so good. And Father, I pray that you would just help me right now to communicate the way that you would want me to communicate, that the words that would exit my mouth would be words from you and that you would just anoint those words. My words are fine and dandy, but God, they don't change anything. But God, your words, mountains move and galaxies are created. I mean, your words are powerful and change us. And so, Father, we ask that you would help us to do that. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So worshiping is beholding God. Beholding is in a mirror. We're going to talk about that this section as we kind of jump into this. We're going to jump right on in in the first point, and this is having a desire to behold God. Number one is having a desire to behold God. Look at Psalms 27, starting with verse number four. It says this, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. Now, I want to stop there for just a second, okay? David, as he's writing this psalm, he starts it in a very interesting way. He doesn't start it here. It starts in verse number four. But as he gets into this section of the psalm, he begins to use some very important words that we need to check out, okay? He starts using words like one thing. He starts using words like only. I remember as a kid uh, taking tests, you know, I'm not a big fun, you know, like tests aren't real fun to me, but I would learn little clues and little little things. My mom is a teacher or she, she's a retired teacher. My my brother is a teacher. My sisters are a teacher. I am the only black sheep of the family kind of a situation. So I learned all about tests growing up and my mom, my mom would tell me, listen, when you see things like only or never and it's true or false, you're going to probably get that one right because those words matter. And so David is writing this and very particular way. And he basically says, listen, the one thing I ask from the Lord, the only thing I seek, and this is what he wants. This is what he's asking God for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And then he jumps down to verse number eight. My heart says to you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. I think that one thing that we have to remember as we're beholding God, it has to start with the desire in us to do that. 
It can't be manufactured. It can't be something that I can do for you. It is something that you have got to choose on your own. You have got to make the decision that basically says, I desire God. I want more of him. As you look at scripture and you look at Moses and you look at uh, Jacob and you look at Paul and you look at some of those types of individuals, David, there was a burning desire in them to experience more of God. It seems like as I study those men and as I look at those guys, it's like they never got to a place in their life where they were like, you know what, God, I'm good. They never got to a place where they kind of sat down and they're, they were just done. Okay, Here in about a month, we are going to celebrate a wonderful holiday, Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is great because you've got to get through it to get to Christmas. Okay, So you got to understand Thanksgiving to me. Okay, I like Thanksgiving. But I'm ready for Christmas. It's like, it's like, don't, don't shake your head at me. Don't you dare shake your head. I'll be, I get through Thanksgiving. And I, but I do love Thanksgiving. I mean, you got the food, you got the family, you got football. I mean, you got all the, all the F's right there, I believe. Yes, yes. And you're sitting there. But listen, here's the thing. I don't know how you handle Thanksgiving. But I'm not, I'm not normally a big breakfast eater anyway. Okay. So you got to understand that. But Thanksgiving, the, 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 the most ridiculous concept in the history of humanity is the idea of breakfast the morning of Thanksgiving. That's crazy talk. That's nonsense. I remember my mom, she would make, and, and they were good. You know, she'd make these little pumpkin loaves and I'd come down and she'd have pumpkin loaves and you could already smell the turkey. I love turkey. I, I, you already smell the turkey and, and the stuffing and all these wonderful smells. And she said, would you like some pumpkin bread? And listen, 364 other days of the year, I'm all over pumpkin bread. But that day, how dare you? Because that is only going to get in the way of other things that are coming later on. Okay? Because I know what's coming. There is a desire to enjoy all that Thanksgiving has. I can have I can have pumpkin bread any day, but there's something about turkey. My grandma would only make turkey gravy on Thanksgiving. You get what I'm saying here? And so there was this desire. There was this wanting of what was coming. But here's the deal. Here's the thing we have to understand. And this is the reason why breakfast at Thanksgiving morning was just crazy talk. If you were full on other things, you wouldn't desire what was coming. If you were already full, if you sat down, listen, listen, there's only so much room here, okay? There's only so much room. And if I had been full up on pumpkin bread and sat down at Thanksgiving, I'm just, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's all amazing. Yeah, it smells delicious, but I'm full. Listen, I want to hear you. You need to understand something here, okay? You were created to desire God. You were created to need him and desire him and all these things. And if you're not desiring him the way you should, I'm going to say this. Listen, hear me. I mean this in love. You may be full on other things. You may be full on stuff that you were not designed to be full on. I got a five-year-old. What's he always want? Something to eat. I'm scared to death. Listen, when he is a teenager, oh, my. I'm just imagining like, like we have, you know, it's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, make sure you're saving for college. Make sure you're putting money into a college fund, blah, 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 blah. We, are, we have a grocery fund. Okay? Parents with teenagers are shaking their heads. Yes. It's great. Really? Do you? I mean, I mean, look, you, you, we, we, we buy you a pizza. 
Okay, that does not mean you have to eat the entire pizza. They'll feed you later. You know, they, I promise you, they will feed you later. It's like teenagers. That's how I, I, I listen. I was, a, I was a youth pastor for 15 years, man. It's like they eat because they think it's like for some reason they think I might not need eat in a week. You know, it's like, no, they'll feed you later. It's OK. And that's the thing. I mean, but it is, it's Eastern. Like, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I? No, no. Why? It'll ruin your dinner. It'll ruin your dinner. At five, okay? I get you. I get you. Listen, I'm just praying, Jesus, come quickly, okay? You know. I, we'll ruin your dinner. Listen, listen. If you aren't desiring God, I'm going to say that you're probably maybe full on some other things. And maybe it's time to say, you know what? I need to put this away so I'm more hungry for God. We get so busy and we get doing so many different things and our lives are pulled in 400 different directions. And I get that life is busy. But listen, if you are neglecting what you were created to do and created to have, I'm going to say you're probably filling up on junk food and not filling up on what God has. Because I believe this very strongly. There should be a constant hunger for his spirit, a constant hunger for knowing him, a constant desire. When I was a kid, we sang this song, when the deer, as the deer panted for the water. What a beautiful picture the psalmist gives us. This idea of this deer just needing so desperately a drink. Listen, I'm going to ask you, are you desperate for God's presence? Is it greater than the desire for your next breath? It has to be a choice that we all make. It has to be a decision. I can't make it for you. Your mom and dad can't make it for you. Your your teenagers can't make it for you. We have got to choose him. And I think we have to remember that. And because here's the thing, when we choose him, nothing else matters. When we make that decision, when desiring and beholding God is, is, is the most paramount, most important choice that we make, everything else kind of kind of goes into the, 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 the background a little bit. And it's important that we understand that. It's important that we desire that. Next, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about beholding God. What, what does this mean? What does this look like? What exactly are we, are we, we seeing here? Look at Psalms 123. Verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, and the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on us. This idea of beholding, you need to understand something, okay? This idea of beholding, we're going to kind of define it to a little bit, and this is in your notes. The word means, as it's understood in the original, it's mean, it's more than just a casual look. It means to make a careful study. It is more than just a casual look. It is to study. It is to look deeply into the face and into the eyes and to the soul and take some time here to look at that. You ever, you ever seen on the news where they'll have a, a, an artist sketch? Someone did something they shouldn't have done or whatever, and then they'll be on the news, someone robbed the bank or whatever. And so what do they do? They say, here is an artist's sketch of what this individual looks like. You know what I've found? I have never seen an artist's sketch in an art museum. Have you? Why? They're not real detailed. I mean, listen, listen, I can't draw a stick figure with a ruler and a compass, okay? 
I'm not complaining about how good these guys or gals are that can actually draw these faces. But at the same time, they're not what you see in a museum. They're a quick sketch. They're, they're, they're usually given by someone who quickly saw someone in the moment, and then that person left the scene. They're usually in black and white, pencil. I mean, yeah, they're, 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 they're detailed. They're, you can kind of tell, maybe. You know, I, I always find it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I'll look back, and I'll go back and find the artist's sketch and the person who did it and compare the two. And usually they're, they're pretty good. But they're not perfect. They're, they're a little bit different. But then you go to an art museum and you look upon an artist's work. And you can see the study of the face. And you can see, you know, it's like you, you look and you know, some of these, some of these portraits that you see and, and uh, of maybe presidents or, or famous people and, you know, and they have the wrinkles. And they have the creases and they have all these parts. Listen, listen, when we behold God, it's more than just a quick artist sketch. It should be more than just a little thing that we put down. So, Cause here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing we need to understand. There are going to be people that are going to say, tell me about Jesus. And here's the problem I think the church as a whole is having. Because listen, whether you understand this or not, you need to hear me here. People are searching for something. They need something. They know there is a hole here and their lives are spinning out of control and this world is spinning out of control and they are looking for something. And so they're going to people and they're going to people like us and they're saying, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about who he is. Tell me about what he is. And so we grab our quick piece of paper and we show our little sketch and we go, here he is. And, we, and, they, and they look at him and we go, really? Black and white? That's how you see Jesus? When God has really called us to be artists, and not just be artists, but have a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. I mean, you, you look at some of these, some of these pictures that, 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 you know, like the masters have done, and you can almost see in their eyes, it's a painting for crying out loud, and you can almost see in their eyes what the person is thinking. Listen, to behold God in worship, to behold him at all times, is more than just a casual look. It's a deep, deep study. And what's awesome about that is worship is just a part of that. It is, it is a part of that. It's, it's looking into our Father's eyes and seeing his heart. It's looking deeper and it's beholding all that he is and all that he can be and all that he does for us and all these things in every aspect. Listen, and then we have to understand that that goes hand in hand with a desire, that we got to desire that. We got to want that. We got to desire say, God, listen, I want to know you more deeply. And one way he does that is in worship. One way he does that is he expresses it in how and when we worship him. And it's a big part of that. And the final one, this is a a little bit of a longer section, so I kind of wanted to get through the first two and get to this one. Point number three is polishing our mirror. Polishing our mirror. Now, we need to understand something. Um, You know, when, when Paul was writing this to the Corinthian church, he... He, he was not talking about a mirror like we have today. Now, now I don't know if you do this. Um, my wife and I have, have a, a sink, so a couple sinks and then a, a big mirror. And, and the only thing we have to do to that mirror, thankfully, is spray some Windex on it every once in a while and clean it off because, uh, like when I wash my face, I'm, I get water spots all over that. My wife loves that. 
Oh, she loves that. Are you, are you getting the fact that she hates that? Okay, good. Uh, and that's what we have to do. But in this day, they didn't have that. They didn't have mirrors like we had. Mirrors were basically made of, of a cup, basically metal. They were usually made out of um, copper or gold or silver. Uh, usually in, in Paul's time, they were also made of bronze. And, and the thing about metal is they have to be polished for there to be any reflection in it. And so what people would do is they would kind of take, kind of like what we do kind of with our, the good silverware, I guess, and come out and they would have to polish that mirror. If they didn't polish it, it would rust, it would tarnish, it would not give off a good reflection. And so what we really want to do here as we are beholding God is we want to make sure that our mirror is nice and polished so that when we look on God, when we look at that his face and we understand, we really have a good, clear, sharp picture of who he is. And that's what we're going to be talking about the remainder of, of the service. What do we need to do basically to do that? What, ways that the Holy Spirit helps us to polish our mirrors so our vision of God is clear and sharp. Okay, so we're going to be talking about worship. We're going to be talking about different things. We're going to broaden it out a little bit because I couldn't just say, hey, it's all about worship because I believe it's much greater than that. And so we are going to talk about some worship aspects here, but we're also going to talk about some other things, okay? So the first thing we're going to talk about is the Word of God. The Word of God, okay? And when I say the Word of God, I want to break it down so we have some clearer understanding so that we understand it. First of all, we, we talk about, when we talk about the Word of God, we talk about the preached Word of God. We talk about the written Word of God and the prophesied Word of God. All of these things help us to polish our mirrors so we know who God is. Listen, let me help you with this. If, if you expect to walk into this place and have deep, intimate worship with God, if you think that you're going to be able to do that and not study his word to know really who he is, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Who are you worshiping then? It's really hard to worship and love somebody you don't know. I mean, listen, we do that all the time, but it's not really great worship, is it? You may talk about a, a football player or a sports player or, or, or an artist or a musician or something like that. And we idolize them and we look at them and we almost kind of worship them. But we don't know who they are. We don't know anything about them. We, we, we understand and appreciate their gifts and the things that they're good at. But we don't really know who they are. Sometimes what we do to learn more about them is we actually do this kind of crazy. But we read an autobiography. Because we want to know who they are. Or, or you know what I like to do? It's like, uh, you know, John has met a bunch of these guys that, that, that play music and all these sort of things. And it's always interesting to me for him to say, that guy's a really, really nice guy. And that guy's a jerk or whatever else. You know, and you can still appreciate their music, but it's, you, you, there's a new level. You know, I like it when you hear these stories about sports players or football players or basketball, whatever, and, and, and they don't just play their sport, but they go to maybe a hospital and they visit somebody that's, that's got cancer. I love those stories. Why? Because, because you appreciate them even more. You, you, you see them even more. Listen, listen, whatever your level of knowledge of God is, God's got more for you. God wants to show you more. God wants to express more. And here's what's beautiful about God. God's not going to let you down. The more you know about God, the more he's going to drive you to worship him. The more you understand his greatness and who he is and who we are and all these things, it's going to drive us even more to be worshipers. Where do we learn those things? Through God's word. The things that are shared, the things that we read, and even the things that are prophesied. All these instances are ways that we can polish our mirror. They give us a clearer understanding of who we are worshiping. They give us a clearer understanding of what God is and who God is. And if you have your paper notes, I got a little carried away on some of these and wrote a whole bunch of extra little scriptures that you can take home and look at. But they're there for you. I didn't want to put them up on the, but there they are on the screen. 
Linda, you weren't supposed to put those on the screen. Because that was a lot. But there's some extra ones there you can look at. Let's move on. Next, the service, communion, and fellowship. The service, communion, and fellowship. What we are doing right here, listen, it matters. Okay? And listen, I know what you think. Well, yeah, it matters to you. You're the pastor. And if you weren't the pastor, you'd be here all alone. And then that would be really sad. Correct. But it's also so important. When we are together in service, hearing God's word spoken and, 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 and worshiping him together. When we take communion together and we remember all that God has done. And then I love this part because I couldn't leave this out because this is so important. But the fellowship time that we have together before, during, and after, that matters. Listen, it, brought, it drives me crazy and, 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 and people can do what they want and it's up to them and God, God's leading them. Blah, 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 blah. But there has been a drive, quite honestly, in the church today to remove fellowship out of service. Well, it makes people uncomfortable. Okay. Can I be honest with you? Okay. Listen, hear me here. Hear my heart. Follow me. I hope every part of this service makes you uncomfortable. Because sometimes being in God's presence can be a little uncomfortable. Because in that moment, God turns on that searchlight. And sometimes it's not always like, oh, boy. Sometimes it's okay to be a little uncomfortable. We kind of have this view of like life in, in, in our Western American world of, of good life means comfortable life. I mean, goodness sakes, we're, we're getting to the place where we never have to leave our house. You want food? Call it in. Order it in. And you know, when I was a kid, it was like, that was pizza. That's all you could do now. Whatever you want. You know, we would have to go, oh, I remember, remember this, remember these old, this, this really old time thing? We would have to go rent a movie at the movie store. Eli, did you hear what I said? They made us get out of our house, get into a vehicle, drive down the street, get out of the car. Like literally, we'd have to take our seatbelt off. Walk in, peruse the selection. Sometimes, sometimes the video I wanted to watch wasn't available. And so I'd have to rent some other Disney movie that we were watching at that time. You know, we have to get, instead of the absent-minded professor, we had to get Son, Son of Flubber or something like that. You can tell how my childhood went, okay? And then we'd have to go home. Have to get, put the VC, turn the VCR on. We didn't have a VCR remote. For years, we didn't have a VCR. We had to rent our VCR. Remember that? Yeah, I'm old. Okay. Um, put the V, we don't, we don't like, we, we, we just sit now. I'm waiting, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm waiting for the robot that uh, Amazon makes that answers the door because that's really the last thing that's left. Alexa, order me food. Alexa, open the door. That's it. Alexa, go grab the food and bring it to me so I don't have to get off of my rear end. We, don't, we, we are all about comfort. Sometimes being in God's presence, listen, is not comfortable and nor should it be. Now listen, hear me here. It's always loving. It's always loving kindness. But it's still uncomfortable. Next week, we're going to talk about some uncomfortable moments. 
But you know what? Fellowship matters. Fellowship's important. It helps us see God because we see God in each other, and it's beautiful. Next, all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. All nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. All of them help us see God because we need to understand something. And we broke them up in this way. Three things help us think the thoughts of God, knowledge, discerning of spirits and wisdom. Three help us to speak like God, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And three help us to do the acts of God, faith, miracles, and healing. All these things are there to help us see God. Listen, these things, because sometimes they're abused and sometimes they're used out of order. And you need to hear me here. All these things are not for the, the necessarily just the edification of the believer. They are there for that, but they are also there so that God can be on display in our midst. It's about God's glory, and it's about knowing him and understanding him and helping us be more like him, and it's polishing that mirror. Because here's the thing you got to understand. At this time, the more you polished it, the better reflection you got. The more you polished it, the more you could see that person. The more you worked at it, the more you got that, that, that rust off and that tarnish off, the more you could actually see the face in it. God wants to be known, loves to be known, desires to be known. And all of these things are working together to make that happen. Next, the songs we sing. The songs we sing. They help us to see who God is. And we're going to break these up as well. First, we're going to talk about Psalms, okay? Psalms are the Old Testament Psalms. You have them in your Bible and things like that. They were the hymnal of the early church, okay? Other New Testament Psalms were also written, but usually just for the breaking down of this, when we talk about Psalms, that's what we're talking about, the Psalms that are actually written by David and some of the other musicians that are in the Bible. Next are hymns, okay? Now, you got to understand something. When we talk about hymns in today's culture, that usually means the songs that are in a hymn book, Okay, But bottom line, when you think about what hymns are, as the Bible breaks them down, the songs that John sang this morning are hymns. They are hymns. They're just not in the hymn book necessarily. But hymns are songs of praise and worship that are composed by men. They usually contain the truths of the new covenant. Okay? They contain the truths of the new covenant. They're this, this expressing of what God has done, what Jesus has done for us, and what he's doing in us and through us. And the final thing that we talk about is spiritual songs. And a spiritual song is a song mostly spontaneous that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever, have you ever experienced a situation? And this is just so beautiful. I love when God does this. And people, and sometimes these are called, oh, oh, this person's singing a new song or, or something. Like that. And basically all they're doing is they're singing a song that God's kind of placed in their heart. I love that. I love that. You know why? Because I think we forget this sometimes. We are all artists. You go, I, I can't sing, you know. I heard somebody say this once, and he's not, but just go with me on this. <laughs> I heard him say, because somebody said, well, I can't sing. And and this was actually, you know, I was actually in my grandparents' church. And my grandparents, at the time, were living in kind of a more central Missouri, and so there was a little bit more of a twang in the voice, you know. And, and there was this older gentleman, and 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 I heard him talking. I'm sitting there, and I think I was probably eight or nine years old. And somebody was talking to this older guy, and this guy was just, I don't remember his name, I don't know anything about him, but he was just this guy that I saw every time we were ever visited, and he was just the nicest, most amazing person in the world. And basically, they were talking about worship, and they were talking about songs, and they were talking about this stuff. And this basically, this person looked at this guy and said, but I can't sing. And the guy's response was priceless. This guy looked at him and said, son, it don't matter. God's kind of deaf when it comes to your singing anyway. 
And I remember going, well, wait a minute. You know, I, you, you jump into eight-year-old, like, super spiritual guy. You know, it's like, wait a minute. God's not deaf. And then I was like, oh. So, so, so God's not so much interested in how you sound. He's more interested in your heart. Oh. It's important that we sing. It's important that we sing because the songs we sing have some serious truth in them. Listen, I'll I'll say this. God did not have to put the Psalms in the Bible, and he chose to. And not only that, but it is the biggest book in there. It probably matters. It matters. The words matter. Opening our mouth and singing matters, whether it's a new song, whether it's an old song, whether it's a song that God has just put in your heart in that moment. All of them matter, and they help us to see God. They help us to see God. But not only the songs we sing, but also this, and I put this one right after this for this reason, silence. Sometimes it's good to be quiet. Be still and know that I'm God. Listen, there's a time to sing. There's a time to be joyful. There's a time to be loud. And there's a time to be quiet and hear God. Okay? But listen, hear me here. I really, truly believe there needs to be a balance in our lives. If your life is constantly silence, I'm going to say probably God's going to ask you sometimes to go ahead and open your mouth. And if you're loud, God's probably going to say, listen, I want to speak to you. Can you quiet down for just a second? Both of these are important. Both of these show us God. Both of these help us to see God. So listen, listen, one isn't good, one isn't bad. They all work together for us to hear God. But sometimes it's good to just be quiet. Sometimes I feel like God has basically said, you know, I'll get upset. You know, God, why would you speak to me? God, why can't I hear your voice? God, why this? God, this? And it's like God waits till I'm just totally exhausted of speaking and basically says, because you won't be quiet to listen. Sometimes we just need to be silent in God's presence and let him speak to our hearts. Let him show us who he is. Next is prayer. Oh, my goodness. Prayer. How important this is. As we speak to God, as God speaks to us. Listen, you got to understand my view of prayer. Prayer is not you talking to God and waiting and just talking, 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 and then go, okay, God, nice talk, and walking off. Prayer is communication. Prayer is having a conversation with God. Listen, that's what God wants from you. That's what God desires from you. That's what God wants in our prayer life is to have a situation where basically we speak and God speaks back. Well, well, but God doesn't speak to me. Yes, he does. Let me help you with this. Sometimes God will speak to you but he won't necessarily use words. The question is, are you listening? I mean, God can speak to you through the smile of your child. God can speak to you in the beauty of his creation. Listen, listen, God's world that he created is shouting who he is. Are you listening? 
I remember at times in my life, I, I've, I've asked God, God, why, does, why, why, why is this or why is that? Why, why, why are these things spinning out of control? God, is that really what you want for me? God, do you really want my life spinning out of control? And then I begin and I look at his creation and I see all the order to it and how it's all put together just so perfectly. And I understand exactly that, no, he doesn't want my life to be out of control because he's a God of order. But he spoke to me in a way that maybe I wasn't expecting. Prayer is all about that. It's about communicating to God, hearing what he has to say in all things and in all situations and in all circumstances. And finally, the final. Acts uh, of service, of, uh, or acts or services of dedication and repentance. And I listed a couple here so you kind of know what I'm talking about. Altar calls, special public prayer, baptisms, laying on the hands, laying on of hands. All of these are so important. If the worship team wants to come on back up, we're going to close a couple weeks. Well, it's been a little bit more than that now, about a month or so probably ago. We were able to dedicate Emily and, and have just an unbelievable time. Um, and Rebecca, Rebecca, right? Yes. Okay. Good. I, I did. I, I was about 95% sure. And, um, that was so special. That was so cool to be able to have, listen, listen, I hope that in all of those things you did not see, listen here, you did not see Parents dedicating their child to God. You saw a picture of the father. You saw something greater than just people on a stage and and some words said and some prayers prayed and some commitments made. You saw God. You were able to see who he is in that. We pray for people. When, when we have acts of repentance, all these things, they're designed to illuminate who God is. They are there to polish our mirror so that we understand in a deeper way who God is and what God has for us. But listen, all of these things in point three, that are so vital. They're really the kind of the nitty gritty, get your hands in the dirt kind of stuff. If we don't start with one and two, all of three will become nothing more than dead religious activity. There's a reason why I didn't put this first. Because I truly believe if we don't get one and two right, three will ring hollow. Because then it's just stuff. It's just things you do, and there's not any life to it. But it's got to begin with a desire. It's got to start with you looking at your heart and going, listen, what am I really hungry for? Because, you know, in our world today, people are hungry for a lot of different things, and they try to fulfill their life in a lot of different ways. And the bottom line is only Jesus is going to do that. So there's got to be that starting place of, God, I need more of you. Listen, it doesn't matter if you got saved two minutes ago or you got saved 200 years ago. There is more that God wants to reveal to you. There is more that God wants you to grow in. 
Listen, one of the worst places, hear me here, one of the worst places you can be, in my opinion, is not out living a life of sin. It's being complacent in the church. Because you know what I found with people that are complacent in the church? They're good. You know, I've been out in the world with people and I've spoken to them. And if you haven't, maybe we, we need to go find some friends that need Jesus, okay? And most guys and gals that I've talked to that have been in that place, they know there's a hole. They know there's, there's something. They don't always know what it is. They may have rejected that it could be Jesus, but that's, they are looking for something. Apathy in the church. Oh man, Satan's got you right where he wants you. It's true. God doesn't want you to be here and be dead. What did he say to the Pharisees? He said, man, you're, you're like a whitewashed tomb. You look the part. You look all clean. You look pretty. But man, when you roll the stone away and you go really inside the heart, all there is is death. And here's the thing. You've got to understand and hear me here. When there's death in here, death will come out of here. It'll come out of here. What's in the heart, the mouth will speak 100% of the time. Now, you may be able to fool us. You may be able to do it for a while. But trust me, it'll come out. It'll come out. You got to choose to let God come in and clean all that out. There's got to be a desire. Listen, I may know God really, really well, but there is still more that I can experience. There's still a deeperness that I can have with our Father. Listen, we're going to be with Jesus and the Father and the Spirit for all eternity, and we are never, ever going to get to a place throughout the entirety of eternity where we look at God and go, God, I figured you all out. Got it? Done. Not going to happen. So you might as well start now. Might as well enjoy it now. Might as well dive in now and see all the riches that the Father has for us. It's got to start with a desire. It's got to start there. And we got to polish that mirror. Get it working. Get it see it. And you know, and, and what's, what's awesome is, is you know, you, you, ever, you ever taken a, something like that and you polish it? And you, you work on it and you work real good. And then you sit back. Oh, it looks good. Back in a little bit better. You work again. You know, you do. Oh, oh. That, oh, God, you're so good. Oh, God, I want to see you more. God, I want to know you more. I want, oh, God. Wow. That you would love me. Oh, I, want, I want more. I want more. I want more. Wow. In our series, we've talked a lot about Moses. When he talks to God and he he says, God, I want to see your glory. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but I don't want to jump too far ahead. But you got to remember something. At the point that Moses asks to see God's glory, he's already had a burning bush experience. He's already thrown his rod down on the ground and watched it turn into a snake. He's already lifted his hands over a sea of water and watch God separate it and watch thousands and thousands of people walk on dry land. 
received so much. And what's the cry of his heart? God, I want to see your glory. I want to see more of you. Listen, no matter what you've seen, and I don't know if anybody in this room has ever thrown a stick on the ground and God made it a snake before. If you have, tell me about it. That must be an amazing story. I don't think any of you have ever gone out to a body of water and raised your hands and had God go... If you have, please come talk to me. That would be an amazing story. You can, you can talk. So you're speaking next week, okay? Just so you know. Because we need to hear about that. That man saw it all. And what was the cry of his heart? I just want to know you more. David picked up a rock, slung it over his head, killed a giant. What's the cry of his heart? Just, God, just let me be in your presence. God, just let me live in your sanctuary. Paul is on a donkey headed out to get the Christians. He is, man, Saul is ready. He's excited. And God speaks to him, knocks him off his horse, makes him blind. Jesus literally speaks to him. What's his cry? That I may know Christ. Listen, what's the cry of your heart? Because quite honestly... If we're just open and honest with ourselves, the cry of my heart is sometimes, God, you know what? I'm just going to put you in this little box and I'll get you out when I need you and I'll take care of it. When I'm in trouble, God, I'll come to you. When, 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 when it's a problem, I'll grab you. But you know what, God? I, other times than that, I'm going to put you in this little box and put you on the shelf and God, that'll be fine. There's a major difference between the three men I just described and my life at times. What about you? Is there a desire to know him more? Is there a desire that no matter how well you get that mirror polished, there's a little more tarnish I can get off because I just want to see him better. I want to know him better. I want to behold him in a more clear way. Let's pray. Father, you're so good. And God, whether it's just life or familiarity or whatever, maybe it's just because it's hard work and we're not necessarily always thrilled about hard work. Beholding you has just kind of become not as important as it used to be. And I'm, God, I'm not here to bash the church or people in it. That's silly. But God, it seems like today the church has become more about programs and it's become more about stuff that seems okay, but maybe just doesn't matter. Maybe God, maybe what we need to do is, is just get back to the simplicity of loving you and loving others. Maybe there just needs to be a fire ignited in us again that basically says, you know what, God, I just got to know you more. God, no matter how much I know you, I can know you more. Father, maybe if you were writing a letter to our churches today, the letter would say, you've forgotten your first love. And God, we can't change anything or anyone besides ourselves we got to look deep inside of us and see are we really hungry for you or have we been filling up on junk food are we truly truly desiring you or are we just kind of yeah 
Do we truly behold you and study you and learn you? Or do we just give you every Sunday for an hour and a half a glancing look? Because, Father, you are worth studying. You are beautiful. But, God, you won't force us to do it. We have got to make a decision. We have got to make a choice. And so, Father, as we move in to an opportunity as a family and as a group to behold you, Father, I pray for every individual here that, Father, they will not let pride, they will not let anything at all keep them from experiencing your beauty and gazing upon your face. That they would not let a single roadblock, they would remove everything in their path so that they could just know you a little bit more. That, Father, today we would behold you. We wouldn't just give you a quick look on our way to lunch, but we would behold you as individuals and as a people. So, Father, if we need to repent, which is beautiful, if we need to come to you and say, God, I've been filling up on other things, God, forgive me that, Father, we begin to do that even now, right now. We begin to say, you know what, God, I love you and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't desire you. I'm sorry that I let things that just don't matter get in the way of you and me. And what's beautiful about that repentance is God is faithful and just just to forgive us of our sins. He He is here and he desires to make all things new. But Father, wherever we're at, whatever state we're in, before we say amen and before we leave this place, we can behold you in a mirror a little bit deeper than we ever have. It's not too late. The service isn't over yet. You want to reveal yourself to us. And I pray that those that have eyes will open them and they will see you and they will desire you like they never have before. Change us, God. Help us to see you. You're so good. You're so good.